Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jason Knight, and on each episode of this podcast, I'll be having inspiring conversations with passionate product people. After this episode, if you feel like sharing some of that passion, it'd be great if you could share the episode with your friends so they can feel some passion too. On tonight's episode, we talk education and how our guest, hungry for knowledge and actionable insights on how to be a product manager, took a look around and thought, there's no one here, and founded what became the world's largest product management school. I find out how he got to the top, how he intends to stay there, how much passion he has for learning, and for sharing that learning with the world. For all this and much more, please join us on One Night in Product. So, my guest tonight is Carlos Gonzalez de Villambrosia, lifelong learner and passionate educator, co-author of the product book, host of a product podcast that I deal never catch on. Carlos is a former lifeguard now offering rubber rings and water wings to aspiring product managers around the world with a de facto product university, the one and only product school, of which he's the founder, CEO, and according to LinkedIn, even has a few of their qualifications himself. Hi, Carlos. How are you? Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> no problem. Glad you could take the time. So product school, we've all heard of it. I'm pretty sure that any person in product is aware of it, but you know, in case you've got a different spin on it, who are product school and what is product school's mission? Well, your intro was beautiful. Uh, just to be on, <laughs> on top of that, I would just say that we are the global leader in product management training. So we focus on helping people get their first product management job, as well as experienced product managers continue growing their career and get that next role up to a chief product officer level. We'll, we'll come back to the levels in a bit because I'm interested about how, how that shakes out. But, but before that, if we, we go back a bit in time and look at you when you, when you started out your career, you, you've had a, a variety of, of different roles in your, in your time. You've been a, a software engineer. You've worked in project management. You've worked in product marketing. You've worked as a founder or you've You've been a founder of an educational marketplace. You've been uh, an instructor with General Assembly. So that's quite a path already. But then back in 2014, you started product school. What made you decide in 2014 that it was time to, to start your own thing? So I'm a curious mind, you know, I'm the type of person <laughs> who goes places and always trying to improve things. And honestly, this is something that is so close to my heart, product, building something, because I went to engineering school and nobody taught me anything about this. It was all about coding, coding, coding. And then I went to business <laughs> school and nobody taught me anything about this either. It was all about super high level strategy and things that are hard to really use. So I always felt very comfortable in between both worlds. I appreciate having a technical background to understand how things are built. And I understand having a business mindset to know how to monetize and market products. But none of those places were really optimized for helping me or any other student build digital products. And I wasn't the only one claiming this. Like there were a lot of other engineers I wanted to leverage the technical background in a different way. There were a lot of business folks from consulting, marketing, and other roles that also wanted to get their hands dirty and be closer to the action. And there wasn't a single class on this, but forget about product. There wasn't a single class on digital marketing, data analytics, UX design, or many other digital skills that a lot of us use on a daily basis. So you know, throughout my career, I've started different companies and the same, I've been learning on the go. So at some point I realized that I just wanted to create a school to focus on teaching people like me how to build digital products. And the beginnings were very humble. Uh, I was just myself with a bootstrap business. I literally created the first curriculum, put together the first <laughs> class 
And uh, obviously, seven years later, here we are with a community of over 1 million product managers. And some of our instructors are really incredible product leaders who keep their full-time jobs at companies such as Netflix, Uber, Google, and so on. Yeah, it's obviously been an amazing journey. But but before we talk a bit more about that journey, I'm curious about your, your engineering uh, part of your background, being as I am a former engineer myself. Now, I would probably argue that, that I wasn't the best engineer in the, in the world. And, and that's one of the reasons why I started getting attracted to, let's say, the why rather than the how, you know, because I was technical enough, but, but maybe not the, the guy that was going to make the next uh, operating system or anything like that. Were, were you a pretty good developer in your day or were you always kind of have a sort of a much wider perspective on, on the end to end life of a, of a product? Yeah, I think I, I was a B plus engineer, <laughs> right? Like I was, I was good, but not great. The thing is, I also didn't know my options. I just knew that I didn't want to spend the rest of my life coding. Someone told me the story. I started in Spain. Like, oh, kid, you sign up for this, so you are going to work as an engineer, and then maybe if you do well, you will be a senior engineer, and then maybe a principal <laughs> engineer. But no, nobody really told me what my options were. Yeah, no, I mean that's fair enough. And you've kind of come to that through, as, as we said, a very varied. It seems like you've dipped your toe in a number of areas before you got to where you are, yes. which presumably gave you a really, a really holistic outlook. Yes, because back in the day, I didn't even know what product management was. It wasn't cool. It wasn't mainstream. So <laughs> I think that I've been doing a lot of this without using the right label. Uh, so basically, I created my own path. I always enjoyed building websites and creating different products and services just without a title, just for fun. I was doing that on the side. And my curiosity led me to go to business school, which is the extreme path, just because there mm -hmm. was no product school. And I was like, okay, where can, where can I learn more about business? Right? And my answer was, okay, well, business school. Of course, I read books and so <laughs> on, but I, I also wanted to connect with like-minded people. And my, one of my breakthroughs there was that there were a lot of engineers in business school. A lot of people like myself that were looking for other ways to leverage the technical background. And, and that was really refreshing to know that, oh my God, there is something here. I'm not the only one who is struggling with this. And at the same time, there are options for me to, to still use my engineering degree because I believe it's really powerful to, to know how things are built and eventually building yourself if there is nobody else. Yeah, you're not supposed to do that these days uh, if, if, you, if you look at all the books. But thinking of books, though, it, it reminds me of a few conversations I've had with people that maybe started out quite early, sort of in, in the sort of 2000s or early 2010s or whatever, before product school, before things like Inspired had come out, in some cases before the Lean Startup had come out and, and all of the kind of foundational books that, that really put people on their way. So you, you've obviously spoken a lot about how you kind of worked out as you went along, but were there any resources that you could use to, to kind of get you started out? And and also, frankly, as the basis of your first curriculum, I mean, you, know, you can't just make that up out of nowhere, right? You, you, have to, you have to have some basis to start from. So, so did you have any of, of that? Did you have any foundational resources that, that you did fall back on? Yeah, so coming to Silicon Valley really changed my life because I've been always in love with technology and my dream was to be here. And uh, the way I was able to make it was through education. But after I graduated, I continued here and Honestly, I faced very similar problems than I faced in traditional education in Europe. I still wanted to get out of the building, go to events, chat with people, build something by myself because traditional education wasn't really teaching me anything of that. So I always had that, those, those type of ideas in, in my mind. And as soon as I had the chance to continue my own path, so I worked 
not only as an engineer, but as you mentioned before, as a product marketer. I joined the startup as the first marketer who knew how to code. <laughs> and I felt so special because instead of being a B-plus engineer in an engineering room, I was an A-plus <laughs> person just because I was the only one who knew how to code something. And I realized that there's a lot of power in understanding both sides of the equation. Talking business, talking tech, talking design, it's exactly what a product manager does. And for me, it just came natural. And I realized that it wasn't that obvious for a lot of people. So I still didn't have the idea of product school, but I was learning how to build products. And then I joined an accelerator program with my previous startup. It was called 500 Startups. And that was incredible because I connected with other founders. Some of the mentors who came there were product managers from Google, Uber, and some of these incredible companies. And I was like, wait a second. What you guys do is very similar to what I'm trying to do and what I, what I like. So I think a lot of those experiences came together in a nice way. And after many years, literally building and connecting with people, I, I felt like I was ready to start this school. Yeah, it sounds like you say that you're in the right place for that as well, because I imagine that there's no better place to do that and to try and bring everyone together and, and, and found those communities. But did you really start? I mean, you said it started out kind of humble, you know, just you with one course or, or you know, bootstrapped and very low key, but but did you have this kind of grand vision that you were going to one day be like, you know, have a product school university with, you know, pillars and, you know, training the world or or, or did you very much take it one course at a time and, and not really have that, that big, big goal? I had a big goal, but not a huge goal. Let me explain that. Here in Silicon Valley, it's all about raising money, growing fast, becoming a unicorn. And I've, I've tried that before. This is not my first rodeo. And I just realized that that didn't make me happy. I wanted to start something where I could spend time with my customers, where I would be able to truly help them and see the results. And, and of course, I want to grow, but I want to grow in a sustainable way. That's why I decided to start Bootstrapped. Still today, we're Bootstrapped. We haven't taken any external funding simply because we don't need it and we're still growing. So I think I, it just took a lot of time for me to realize what makes me happy. And then, of course, you can shape that vision as you go. Obviously, product management is not a niche anymore. I, I have to admit, I think we got lucky because seven years ago when I started this company, I, I knew this was cool, but I just didn't know that the rest of the world would be so into that. And I think a lot of the macro environment factors are also helping this trend. And as you, you see outside, it's, this is not just about high-tech companies in Silicon Valley. We need product managers everywhere. Everything is a product. Well, I mean, one of the things actually that that is interesting about that, I mean, yeah, we do need product managers everywhere, as, as you say. And as you said, when you started, it was all very, very new and you probably didn't have much competition. If you even wanted to consider it a competition, which I'm, which I'm sure you don't, but there's a lot of competition these days. I mean, obviously there's General Assembly, who you did some work for, but there's also tens, hundreds, thousands of other product school alikes, people doing either different focused types of training or just other very general training platforms that maybe offer product management stuff. How do you these days keep ahead of the curve? Because people have so much choice now and it's not like it was when you started. Totally. Product management is not a secret anymore, which, it's a, <laughs> which is a good thing. I believe that as the market matures and more people and companies recognize the need for this, more companies hiring product managers, the salaries are rising. So I believe that leveling up the playing field will, will create more opportunities for everybody, not just for us. So for us, the competitive advantage has always been the community aspect. Over 90% of the resources that we create are absolutely free and available right now. 
I'm a big believer in giving access to education and not just any type of education, really high quality education. And as you do with the podcast, you know that if you ask, sometimes people say yes. <laughs> I still don't know why, but yeah. <laughs> so for me, it was very important to learn what I want from the best at it. And that's something that I didn't get in the traditional education system. So I decided to pick this topic, product management, I'm very passionate about. I decided to identify the very best in the field, which they, actually they are not teachers. They are practitioners who keep their full-time jobs at incredible companies and they teach at product school on the side. They want to give back to the community because they probably didn't have something like this when they were getting started. So the mission is really powerful. And at the same time, again, most of the things that we do, including thousand events per year, conferences, we put together books, job board, a forum, this discussion forum, and so on. They are just right away available at your fingertips. And I believe in that because if you create something that people want, even if you don't monetize it right away, that means that you can, you can grow. And, and I obviously have a monetization path, which is our certifications. Those are paid, but that's just a very small percentage of all the things we do. And as we grow the pie together and people do their research, eventually they're going to find what's, what's good for them. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and obviously it's, it's not an uncommon model. I think a lot of people are probably copying that these days and, and trying to do that mixture. But one thing that I was interested in, so I, I've spoken to people either just personally or, or on this podcast, which is on the record. And um, a few of those have been product school instructors. They've done courses and webinars and stuff like that. So on LinkedIn, it says you've got something like 800 plus product school employees, but, but does that include all of these volunteers? And, and these are people that have added their experience, but, but they're not full-time? Or do you actually have 800 full-time or 800 plus full-time product school employees? So the team is north of 100 uh, employees full-time distributed across the world. And that is excluding the instructors. All the instructors keep their full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. Most of them are actually based in Silicon Valley or New York. They you know, work in Netflix, Uber, Google, and some of these companies. So that is the model. Obviously, there are many other people who contribute that they just want to give a talk or write a blog. And they, I wouldn't treat them as employees, even though, of course, they might list their experience as contributors on LinkedIn. Yeah, fair enough. Now, another thing actually that, that sprung to mind as you were saying about, you know, the, the journey of product school and the size that it's become and the popularity and the, the name recognition of it, that can sometimes come with a, with a negative as well, that people start to almost see it like, a, I don't know, like a McDonald's type affair. Do you think that it's easy to, to counter that or do you even worry about that at all or do you just concentrate on what's in front of you? Well, I think it's a it's a good problem. It's a growing problem. It means that right, you are you're growing, you are getting more competitors, you are getting more potentially haters, you're also getting more lovers. <laughs> uh, for me, I'm obsessed with quality. And that's one of the reasons why I decided not to raise money. Because it's so easy to get distracted and try to 10x everything that you do at the expense of sacrificing quality. At the end of the day, we teach product, but we are a service. That means that people spend a lot of time face-to-face -face online, but still with product leaders. And you cannot manufacture that. So for me, yes, I want to grow and we are growing. And um, obviously the community is 1 million people strong and, and the whole thing, but the cohorts are still very small. We cap them at 20 students. 
the experiences that we try to provide feel very, very intimate. And we still have to apply very strong filters to decide who participates as a speaker or as an instructor. The fact that some of our resources are free doesn't mean that we can sacrifice quality. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of analogous in some ways to some of the classroom debates and classroom sizes that you get in the UK. I don't know if you get them in America now as well, like concerns about ever-increasing class sizes and stuff like that. So it, it, it feels good and, and right that you, that you keep them capped. But if we turn to you now, you're the CEO of Product School. How, how do you fill your days? I know that you're very active on social media. You obviously have your podcast and blogs and stuff that you do, but, but what's your day-to-day routine like? What gets you moving? Well, I wish I had more hours in the day because there's definitely <laughs> a, a lot of things that I would love to do and I have to prioritize. Uh, I have a family too. I'm married with two kids. The, the, the kids and the wife didn't exist when I started the company. So <laughs> I also had to learn how to adapt and integrate my life and, and work. But I, I love it. I am a lifelong learning and I treat every single opportunity as an opportunity to, to grow. I treat everything as a product in a way. So trying to, to prioritize and structure my day, my day-to-day at work, it's packed with a lot of meetings, with a lot of interviews. And I also want to block at least 20% of the time for my team. That's something that I used to do when I was a product manager. Empty time, intentional, because things happen. There are last minute fires. Some people need extra attention. I might also need to get some work done myself. So I don't want to forget about, about myself and about my people and try to just use my calendar as my own to-do list. That's fair enough. I have seen uh, in some books and, and, and articles that product managers should, should leave themselves at least four hours a day free to, to do product management work and, and get away from those fighting fires. So Whilst obviously that's a bit different, it, it sounds very related to making sure that you have that headspace and the time to actually do some thinking as well. It's, it's a work in progress, obviously. And, but if you think about it, as a product manager, you, you can turbocharge a product, but you can also become the bottleneck. Exactly. There are a lot of people that collaborate with you. And as a CEO, it's the same analogy. Ultimately, you can slow down a lot of process or you can accelerate them. So I had to learn the hard way how to delegate how to invest in myself, how to invest in technology to scale processes. And the fact that we are growing and bigger now doesn't make things any easier. Yeah, it probably makes it harder, to be fair. And what kind of working culture do you try to promote within product school? For example, there's a lot of discussion these days and and very valid discussion about diversity and inclusion and making sure that we build workspaces for all. So even with a a distributed team and a hundred or so of you, there's presumably the chance for that to be fairly uniform but but do you work quite hard to to bring in diverse opinions into the actual team or or is that still a work in progress as an immigrant in the u.s this is so core to my values right like i know what it is to have to fight extra hard to have an opportunity and that's something that i hope to i can help my kids and the same way i can help my my team members so today we are i think over 30 countries represented in our core team. And uh, we make an extra effort to make sure that we treat, we include not the, the, everyone, regardless of their gender, uh, ethnicity, religion, or any other criteria. Uh, that also applies to our classes and our events. So if you look at conference product con that we do a few times a year, 
we intentionally make sure that there is a 50-50 ratio between male and female speakers. That's the same thing we apply to our instructors. That's the same thing we apply to our students. We even did an initiative actually with a London-based company called TransferWise, uh, where we are going to create a cohort sponsored by TransferWise to encourage diversity. You know, we are pushing in that direction. Of course, there's still a lot of work to do, but I believe that people who have a platform like us, we should use the platform for the causes that we care about. And even though some of these come more natural to us simply because we are digital natives or because we are immigrants or whatever it is, that's not an excuse for us to keep pushing those boundaries and hopefully inspiring that next generation. Because ultimately, this is not just a PR thing. If you have a more diverse team, you have a better product, you have a better team. Yeah, exactly. There's the, the selfless kind of greater good argument, which which I think that we should all strive for. But there's also the business reality argument as well, that, that there's been research that proves that diverse teams give better business results as well. So absolutely, 100% agree with you on that. Now, you also turned your hand to book writing three, four years ago now. You wrote the product book with a partner or colleague, Josh Anon. What what made you decide to actually write a book? Because that sounds like quite a big undertaking. And as you just said, you've, you've got quite a lot of things on already. Yes. And that was my first book. Since then, we've, we've uh, produced at least seven more. But the first one is very special. It, it, it took me two years. I felt like a baby. <laughs> ba- babies don't take two years, Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But in a way, it was such a big effort that I promised myself, I'll never do this again. And here I am. <laughs> but anyway. It took me at least one year to produce and another year to publish. And the inspiration behind it was actually product school. We, we had the courses up and running. I started the company in 2014 and I published the product book in 2017. The reason why is because a lot of people just can't afford our certifications. They just can't access it. So I wanted to create something that would be able to be easy. It's actually free for anyone who wants to learn more about this and, and, and be very, very practical. Because there are a lot of books out there, a lot of them talk about how to hack an interview, how to hack your LinkedIn profile. And don't get me wrong, those, those th- skills are important, but they're, they're not enough. If you really want to build digital products, you also need to understand like the ABC of it. Unfortunately, we have access to a lot of product leaders who are demystifying and, and sharing their frameworks with us. So I just wanted to create a very tactical book explaining the product management process in Silicon Valley in collaboration with different product leaders, as you mentioned, make it very accessible. It's actually free. We got over 200,000 downloads to date. And the book was also translated into four languages, Portuguese, Spanish, and Arabic. We also create an audiobook version. So were you reading the audiobook? I actually wrote the book in English, which is weird. (laughs) (laughs) And then I hired a translator to translate it into Spanish just because I didn't have the time. But I had to read it in Spanish, and I was the, the, the proofreader of that version. So basically, um, this is the old cliche that I hear from, from friends that have moved away from their home countries or their hometowns even within the same country, where they say that when they go back home, their, their family always accuse them of, of having a different accent or that they've forgotten their, their, their native language. because they've. So basically, have you been in Silicon Valley so long now that you can't write a book in Spanish? Is that the long and short of it? You, you can't imagine. My mom makes fun of me because she says that I'm forgetting Spanish, but I still have a very strong accent, so <laughs> I don't know what to do. That book that you wrote with Josh, 
Well, you, again, you co-wrote it. So was that something that you did very collaboratively, like chapter by chapter, kind of both doing bits of the same? Or did you kind of come up with a list of, of topics and divvy them up and sort of take bits each and then combine it at the end? So Josh is an instructor at Product School. He and I met a long time ago and built a version of the curriculum first. We weren't thinking even about the book. We were just teaching and building curriculum. He had a strong background in uh, movies. So he worked at Pixar. He also worked at Magic Leap in Florida. So he's a very creative mindset and he knows how to tell stories. So when we realized that we had this robust curriculum that was really good, but it was only happening in Silicon Valley, we, we, we were thinking about how can we open it up to other people who don't have the opportunity to be in the room with us. And that's how we started. So the, the whole book is inspired in the curriculum. Obviously, it's a lighter version of it, but it, it was just an, a natural extension of the work that we've been doing together. Yeah, I've always just found the concept of two people writing a book kind of kind of tricky, like you know, stepping on each other's toes and stuff, but it sounds like you, you, you got through that. Now, there are various schools of thought around the usefulness of qualifications and structured programs. So some people will sit there and say, oh, I come from the school of hard knocks. The only way you can learn to be a product manager is to be a, you know, get a job as a product manager and do product management stuff. And you can't, you can't just read books and do courses and get certificates. And some people will even say that certificates are harmful because they make people think that they're better than they are, blah, 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 blah. Now, I'm assuming that you'll disagree with that to some extent because you run a, a school that offers certification. But what's your view on the balance between, for example, going to product school, getting your foundational product school certificate in product management what's next i mean obviously you could go and do more certifications but but what's the path you 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 presumably can't just go and be a massive success just like that so what's next absolutely and let me just kind of give you my my take on this Uh, first of all a lot of people would come and ask me hey should i do an mba or should i take this course should i take this certification and my answer is yes to everything like i don't think learning will make you worse Mm -hmm. so there's an opportunity. Uh, what is the alternative to watch a movie on Netflix? Well, like, if you want to read a book, read a book, you know, like invest in yourself, however you want to do it. Obviously, as, as you spend more time on education, you realize that you also want to be more specific because you don't have a limited time and resources. And I believe that traditional education, specifically MBA, is not optimized for getting a job in product management. That's the main reason why I decided to start this. I just can't believe that there's still programs teaching people two years full-time and, and not really equipping them with the tools to be in product. And, and, and that is just sad. And so if, if you know what you want, then I think there's a more efficient path. Now, if you don't know what you want and you just want to keep exploring, I think MBA and books and other resources can be a really valid way to at least give you more, more options. So talking specifically about product school and our certifications, I believe that ultimately the value of a certification is is the return on your investment. And that return is dictated by the market. It's not dictated by what Carlos or anyone will tell you. So I I would say go to LinkedIn and type product school and see where our graduates are working, see who our instructors are and where they work, see what they have to say. Yes, go to Yelp where in in the UK would be Trustpilot or Google like reviews and testimonials from the students. I believe in in the power of the market. And, and I think that's ultimately the best validation for anything that you want to do. There's no excuse these days, right, to do your research and understand 
what type of course or certification you want to take. The same way you can do the same when you want to buy a bottle of wine. <laughs> uh, so th that's my take on certifications. Obviously, I'm very, very focused on keeping a very high quality standard and only working with the best instructors, always updating the content to make sure that we're truly covering the latest and greatest because this, this field changes all the time. And that's why I, that's another reason why I don't think a traditional institution can ever do a good job teaching product. It's because by the time they get together to build something, they'll probably be outdated. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's very important to understand where you are. And one of the things that the trade-off of just being so focused on product in this case with us is that we just can't be the best at any other thing. We just don't have the time or the resources to now branch out and start teaching people UX design. I would love to, but I need to understand my limitations and I prefer to be the very best at one thing instead of just kind of okay at a lot of others. Sounds like there's a gap in the market for UX school coming up as well there. So uh, <laughs> maybe someone will kick that off. Yes, well, the, the, the trend started with coding. If you think about it, like 2010 and 11, there was a lot of uh, coding boot camps that were promising people jobs. And, and I believe in many cases that's, that's true because there are a lot of entry-level opportunities for people who want to code. You don't need to go to a CS, you don't need a CS degree in order to do that. But I think with product management, it's slightly different because there are not that many entry-level opportunities. Every product manager has some previous experience in something. It can be engineering, marketing, project management, or any other discipline. So for us, the angle is more about an alternative to the traditional MBA instead of an alternative to a traditional degree. So now I'm remembering a, a story about Salesforce back when they started out. And uh, obviously, they were pushing against very traditional on-premise solutions and stuff like that. And they would drive up with a big van with like the name of that company and a, and a kind of a cross to it or something like that and park it outside the convention center so that they could like get some free publicity from the people that were going to go and sign up for whatever. Have you ever considered being a bit more um, pushy, like go to Harvard and, and places like that and, and start parking your product school van outside and, and start trying to take pot shots at MBA uh, establishments or... Are you, are, you, are you a bit nicer than that? <laughs> I didn't think about, well, no, to be honest, yes, I did think about it. <laughs> I've, never, I, I've never done it. And I believe there is, there is room for, for a really high quality MBA program, but I just don't understand why there are so many second tier MBA programs that charge almost the same as a top tier MBA program for a fraction of the value. And, um, and I believe that if the consumer had more access to understanding their options, they will be able to make a more educated decision. And the world is moving into a direction that is more about lifelong learning than traditional learning. Or whatever you studied 10 years ago is absolutely relevant today. And it will be even more irrelevant in the future. So I don't understand this concept of, oh, you have to commit to something for four years of your life and then you have to go with it for the rest of your life. Well, what if you can have it all? What if you can have your job, your family, your time with friends, your time to learn, your time to have fun? And I just don't know how this is going to evolve, but I believe that if the user is asking for something more flexible, then we, we, we should try to listen more. Absolutely. And like you said earlier, the market will decide, right? What is the most inspiring thing that you've learned through some of the product school content, say, in the last year? Something that, that really stuck out, a new idea or a new way of looking at things that you just looked at it and thought, yeah, that, that, that's actually pretty great. For me, the biggest breakthrough was to realize that this is a mindset and not a job title. 
a lot of people get stuck into the idea of, I want to get a product manager job at Google or place your favorite company, right? And, and that is, that's legit and, and that's fine. But in reality, once you learn the mindset that you can apply pretty much to anything in life, to how to plan in your wedding, to, from, to how to plan your next vacation, it's really going with the problem first and trying to really dissect the problem then asking the right questions instead of coming up with your own solutions and then involving smarter people than yourself <laughs> and myself, definitely more than myself, to co-create that solution and, and collaborate. That is, at the end of the day, what gets me excited. That's why now as a CEO, if you will, I'm still applying that same product mindset. And also the fact that these people who are teaching, they were my heroes. I just couldn't believe why someone who's the VP of product at Netflix would say yes. For me, it was so humbling because that makes me want to give back even more. You know, like these are all humans. They, they haven't done, they, they haven't everything figured out. There's no playbook. We're all trying to, to learn as, as, we, as we go. And I think that there's a lot of value in that type of connection, that type of mentorship. Instead of just giving someone a playbook and be like, you have to follow this. Well, there is a playbook. This is something that worked. This is something that I didn't. But let's also understand the new situation and see how we can face it. No, absolutely. So speaking of facing it, what's, uh, what's coming up next for product school in 2021? I'm uh, assuming that we get the coronavirus pandemic under control. Are you, do you have any big plans? So all of our trainings are delivered live online. And it's been like that even before the pandemic outbreak. And, and I believe that's a good thing because this way anyone can get access to really the best instructors, no matter where the students live. Um, so we want to continue doubling down on the concept of lifelong learning online, totally flexible on weekends or weeknights. So nobody has to put their life on hold. Last year was incredible in terms of growth because there has never been a bigger need in the market for building digital products. So now we just want to continue creating more and more product managers out there. And as uh, one of the learnings for us was that it's not just about creating product managers. These product managers also want to continue learning. And that inspired us to create additional certifications to help them with that career path because now more companies are recognizing that product is not just under marketing or under technology. There is someone called chief product officer at the C-suite level that is, is encouraging more people. So we want to continue helping people grow in the, their career path. When the apocalypse comes, uh, you've got an army of well-trained product managers to, to back you up as well, right? Yeah, we have a very big army. <laughs> Don't mess with us. <laughs> and uh, where can people find you if they want to um, continue the discussion or, or find out any more of your great advice or, or content? I'm very active on social, LinkedIn specifically. So if anyone wants to connect with me, chat, ask any questions, feel free to do so. And, and I'll do my best to get back to you as soon as possible. Also, if you want to get access to our free resources, just go to our website com and help yourself i will link it all in and, and maybe even do a couple of courses myself well that's been a fantastic chat uh, obviously really appreciate you taking the time uh, wish you the best for product school in 2021 and beyond and to your army of product managers and whichever countries they take over next let's keep in touch you and me but uh, as as for now thanks very much for taking the time thank you jason you're doing something very good be giving visibility to more product leaders out there Thanks for listening. I hope you found it inspiring and, in this case, educational. 
If you're up for lifelong learning, alongside Product School, you could consider checking out some other inspiring conversations on onenightinproduct.com. That's night with a K. Or the podcast app of your choice. I'll be back soon with another inspiring guest, but for now, thank you and good night. Good night.